0: Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Law Radio. Dental Law Radio is brought to you by Oberman Law Firm, a leading dental-centric law firm serving dental clients on a local, regional, and national basis. Now,
1: here's your host, Stuart Oberman. Welcome, everyone, to Dental Law Radio. We are back, 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 back. We have an extraordinary guest today, I would say one of the best practice consultants in the country that I've had the pleasure of meeting and consulting with in different areas, and our clients um, are are happy when when they use um, this particular guest. The one, the only, Dr. Richard Maddow today is going to join us. And he's going to embark on his experiences. Now, a little background on on, on um, Dr. Maddow. So he is the co-founder of the Maddow Center for Dental Su- Practice Success. And that is an extraordinary, extraordinary organization. Um, and he will provide some information uh, after um, our, our podcast today. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting part is, is Richard has been – uh, labeled as the leader in dental consulting by um, Dentistry Today, which I, I firmly believe, I've had the absolute pleasure of um, uh, sponsoring some events that he's been at, and, and I will tell you, the reception that he receives from from his doctors is extraordinary. Uh, the The presentation is spontaneous and hilarious, and I, I really am amazed at that he has spoken and presented probably in just about every major city. In United States, in Canada, and um, I know what he's done for his doctors through the years, and the careers, and they supercharged their practices, and they redefined who they are, and and they create success and and profitability, um, which is you know, in, in sometimes it's very hard to do. For our doctors. And, and on a personal note, um, Richard is a lifelong award-winning musician. And for those that can see his guitar um in the background there, I know uh, he's also talented at. And I've actually have seen him play in his presentations. And uh, I uh, found out he was playing the piano this morning. So not only is he a great consultant but he is a published musician. And um, Richard, welcome, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you are very busy.
0: Well, thanks so much for that introduction. That was really, really nice. I appreciate it, Stuart. And without sounding too much like we're rubbing each other's backs here, I want to congratulate you in what you've done over the years. Um, You know, dentists, there aren't that many times in our careers where we need to consult with a good lawyer, purchasing a practice uh, partnership agreement, selling a practice, et cetera, et cetera, and so many dentists make the mistake of going to a lawyer who's a good lawyer but isn't uh, involved strictly in dentistry. So what you've done for dentists, building up your firm like that, you know, taking the time to learn all the nuances and special things about dentists and what makes us tick and how we're so weird and crazy and and you know all those things. um, Just has been so responsible for your great success and helping dentists across the country. So thanks for doing that. Congratulations on doing that.
1: Well, thank you for that, 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 that kind um, information there. And it's always appreciated. And I know that you've been deep in the industry for many years. And I know we could probably talk for seven days on, on what you've, what you've run across, but I want to cover, I want to cover, you know, a a really main topic. And I know that you're an expert on this area. I want to know, you know, point blank dumb things that smart dentists do. We all have those clients that are absolutely brilliant, the leaders, but I want to hear what you have discovered. What are some of the dumb things that these guys do on, on a daily basis? And I know, I, I know you could talk seven days on this, but um, and I know you got some, some great things. So t- tell me a little bit about what, what, what you're seeing out, out there.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, look, I've done a lot of dumb things. I, um, even though I'm no longer practicing, I had a, a practice for many, many years, built it up from actually a bankrupt practice that I purchased. So it was actually it was below a scratch practice because I, I the practice had debt when I took over, um, and grew it to a super successful practice, I'm proud to say. But I did so many dumb things along the way. Um, and then of course, I've been in geez, hundreds, thousands of dental practices, spoken to tens of thousands of dentists and team members. And dentists are so smart. They're so nice. They're so cool. We really want to help people, but we've also done so many dumb things. So since you asked, I thought of a few, and I, I'd love to share them with you and your listeners.
1: Yeah. Tell me what you're thinking. Give me five or six of the, of the dumbest things that they've done. Okay. Here's one.
0: Uh, every time – I wouldn't say every time. Maybe 85% of the time when a dentist contacts the Meadows Center – about consulting or coaching or whatever the heck you want to call it. You know, how can we make their practice better? Uh, one of the things they always say to us is, we need more new patients. We need more new patients. it's like a like a mantra, like a fix. We need more new patients. And new patients are great. And let's face it, without new patients, your practice will plateau. But or go downhill. But invariably, every single time we'll run a data analysis of their practice and find that Sure, they could use some new patients, but they are losing patients more quickly than they could ever get new patients into the practice. These patients who have been in, they, you know, for some reason responded to something you've done, a referral, a marketing piece. They drove by and saw your big, beautiful sign. They made the effort to recognize your practice, call, come in, have an examination, and then they just drop off the face of the earth. And, And practices have Hundreds or thousands of these people who have fallen through the cracks, fallen into the black hole, walked out the back door, whatever you want to call them, and these are people who already know about your practice, they probably like you. They've probably already had an examination, maybe even treatment proposed, and our systems are letting them drop off the face of the earth. And it's our fault as dentists, because if we don't have the proper systems and protocols to track people and know how to call them to get them back in. And I don't just mean calling and saying, you're overdue for your recall, do you want to schedule? That doesn't work. We've got to really know how to do this. But we've got these pools of existing patients that have become forgotten people. And instead, we always want to know about the new patients. It's so much easier and so much more cost-effective to get these patients back in who have already come to our practice yet. We tend to neglect them. Not as sexy, maybe, as getting a new patient in the door, but so much easier, so much more cost-effective. Now, so now, that's a dumb now, thing that's smart. Now, you still. have a
1: whole program regarding this particular matter, the fixture, am I right? Well, you got a whole program dedicated to this.
0: Well, we do. I, you know, we when we work with a practice, we teach them exactly what to do, how to, and let's face it. Sometimes you, you look at the data and you say, well, this patient, you know, they were in whatever, four years ago. Um, they, for some reason, they, they dropped off the face of the earth and we don't think we're going to be able to bring them back. But we help practices identify who to start working with first, who are the best. And it's usually people who are more recent. I mean, once somebody has been gone for four or five years, they're tougher, although they do come back. It's hard to believe, but some people go five years between dental appointments, as gross as that sounds. Um, But you need to have the systems, the protocols to get these people back in. And it's usually um, treating them as a real person, not just sending some generic email or text, you're 18 months overdue, would you like, but, you know, actually calling them and chatting with them and saying, hey, we haven't seen you for a while. Uh, Last time you were in, you were getting ready. And I'm just, you know, winging this here, but getting ready for knee replacement surgery. How'd that go? How are you feeling? Uh, we, you know it's it's time you come back because when you saw Becky our great hygienist she noticed there were some areas of concern and we really need to you know make sure that your teeth are healthy whatever just a personalized conversation with every single person rather than some generic throw spaghetti against the wall strategy and that's how we get people back into to your practice.
1: Phones, phones, phones. Tell me about doctor not answering phones.
0: Dumb thing number two what a great segue Stuart. I really appreciate that. Dumb thing number two, um, you know we do so much, and this is kind of shifting from um, patients who have slipped through the cracks to new patients, or maybe patients who you've contacted and and you have been in trouble, you know, you're having trouble getting a hold of them. And then what happens? You know, you guys are in Metro Atlanta, right? Where's there yeah. like a dentist every square foot there? I mean, it's the every same where I am here feet. in Baltimore. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? And for some reason, somebody picks up the phone, and decides to call your practice one day. It's a great moment. And what happens? They call, and we don't answer the phone. Now, in our live seminars, um, we used to do live secret shopper calls. And I've done tens of thousands of secret shopper calls personally. We would call dental offices live during our seminars from that area to see how they handled a potential new patient call. And we stopped doing them live, not because We embarrassed somebody in front of a whole group of 200 people, and they started crying. Not because we were sued for defamation, because we embarrassed the dentist in front of their crowd. Now, all those things did actually happen, but that's (laughs) not why we stopped doing it live. (laughs) We stopped doing it live because 50% of the time, the phone wasn't being answered during normal business hours. I mean, this is ridiculous. A potential new patient or a patient who has been, you know, you've tried to bring that patient back into the fold, calls your office, and they get a voicemail. If you're hearing this voicemail during regular business hours, it means we're busy seeing other patients. No, no, no. Unacceptable. You know, think about it. A patient, a new patient or a recall patient, they're nervous. They're tense. They probably don't want to be there. They're looking for any excuse not to come in. Yeah. They finally make the effort to call your office and they're going to get a voicemail during normal business hours. Totally unacceptable. Completely so, unacceptable. So when you say
1: live seminars, you actually teach these guys how to answer the phones.
0: Oh, I would spend a ton of time during our live seminars talking about are, proper phone technique. Are, 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 are they
1: that bad at it that they, they they actually got to have a live <laughs> seminar? No, I mean, I mean, I mean. It's, you said fifty you said percent. That's amazing. I mean, that's fifty percent
0: don't answer the phone at all, wow. and once they do answer the phone, I'd say ninety percent of the people that actually answer do not know the proper way to get a patient off the phone and into the appointment book. They know how to get them off the phone, but not, not into the appointment book. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it for sure.
1: Well, you know, a lot, a lot of times, and I don't I want, want you to talk about this, and, and you may, this may be on your agenda, but I hear the expression all the time, buy it and they will come. What does that mean in a dental practice? I, I never understood that.
0: Oh, well, that's the third dumb thing that smart dentists do. But if you don't mind, I just want to get back to the phone thing for one (laughs) quick second, then we'll talk about, Uh, because I care about this so much. Um, You know, again, it's probably an hour and a half to two hour segment in our live seminars or webinars talking about proper phone technique. But I'll just end this, this part of our discussion with this one thing. When a patient calls, and says something that we don't like, how much is a cleaning, do you take my insurance, whatever. Maybe we don't like those particular questions, but they're calling for a reason. And the reason is, out of all the dental practices in your area, whether it's metro Atlanta or a rural area in Kansas where there aren't that many dentists, they called your office because they want to come in. So every call needs to be ended. Asking the patient to come in and not just saying, would you like to make an appointment, but offering two good times. We'd love to see you as a new patient in our practice. We can see you tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. If that's not convenient for you, we've got Tuesday at 11.30 a.m., which works best. Again, 90% of these calls end with the patient never being offered an appointment. So, sorry, I just wanted to get that in there before we move on to buy it and they will come, which is another favorite dumb thing of
1: mine. (laughs) I, I, I hear that all the time, and I don't know what that means. Buy it and they will come. Well, when I say buy it and they will come,
0: you know, again, when a dentist contacts us at the Matto Center, it's because they want to improve their practice. And also, dentists go to large dental conventions because they want to improve their practice. Down there in Atlanta, you've got the Hinman, one of the best meetings in the world. You know, and it could be the Chicago Midwinter or the ADA, or maybe more, more than likely a smaller regional meeting. Every state has them. Every state AGD has them. And you go there to learn. And you go there to improve your practice. And one of the things we love doing is dentists, because we love gadgets and we love touching things, is we love going to that exhibit hall, because mm-hmm. all the latest <laughs> and greatest equipment and tech is there, and it's all shiny and fun. It's also very costly. And one of the mistakes dentists fall into is they're looking for ways to improve their practice, and they wind up getting sucked into buying a piece of equipment that's going to put them in. to $100,000 worth of debt with the promise from this salesperson, this highly commissioned salesperson, that if you buy this object, people will flock to your practice. It's all you have to do. Just buy this. And and I'm not a Luddite. I'm not saying tech is bad. Tech is great. Cone beam imaging is phenomenal. Being able to have a crown made in your office the same day, if you're skilled enough to do it, that's a big if, but if you are skilled enough Mm -hmm. to do it is incredible. But patients won't come into your practice because you bought the latest and greatest technology, no matter what these salespeople say. They're saying buy it and they will come, but it's just not true. It's, you know, back to basics of providing a memorable experience. Phone like we were talking about treating every patient incredibly well. I mean, these are things we teach all the time. That's what gets people to come into your office, to stay, to get treatment accepted, to refer. It's not because you've got the best cone beam technology, and again, I'm not saying you shouldn't have this. It helps us practice better, but only if you can afford it. Only if you're not going to go into debt. Don't think that that this technology is going to bring you more patients because it just simply won't. Now, you guys deal with you know you see the down and dirty. You see people's balance sheets. I'll bet you've seen dentists who are in horrible debt, and it's just so sad, isn't it?
1: Well, you, you, you've seen you've seen this, and probably there's only ten percent. Of dentists out there that retire at sixty-five, the rest of them have got to work. They got to work, and they got to work. Which, which, which it's is, scary, isn't it? it? It really, it really is. Really is sad. It really, really, really. So, what, why do they buy this equipment? I mean, why do they buy that? Why? Why do they buy a hundred thousand-dollar piece of equipment? Why?
0: Well, you know, first of all, it's fun. You know, let's face it. We're dentists. We love doing fun things that are technologically advanced and that our patients will love. So we buy because it, 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 in a way and this is not a bad thing, I guess it keeps our batteries charged. You know, you're a little burnt out. You're sick of the mundane. Well, this is a cool thing. I can do more procedures. I can you know, do my endo more accurately, whatever. That's one of the reasons. But again, as in the buy it and they will come philosophy, which is not true. A lot of times we buy dental technology because we think it will enhance our bottom line. Our patients are going to say yes to everything we propose. You know, I always say, um, you know, you talk about CEREC, which, uh, you know, If you're not a dentist and you're listening, it's it's a technology where instead of having a crown be two appointments, you you prepare the crown, then you send the impression to a lab, then the crown comes back, you cement it in two weeks later, a CEREC technology will allow you to do the crown same day because you make the crown right in your office. Well, this is fun, but it's expensive. And as as I always say, this is a patient talking. I'll only get that crown if you can do it in one day. Said no patient ever. (laughs) Patients aren't going to leave you or say no because you don't have the latest technology. They'll leave you and say no because you're not making them feel special. You're not providing a great patient experience. You know that's why patients leave. You're running late all the time. You're not getting the phone and it's going to voicemail. That's why patients leave, not because of the technology you have. Yeah. So again, nothing against um, outstanding equipment and and uh, supplies and all those things in your office, but it's not going to bring in more new patients. And as you said, Stu. Only 10% of dentists can retire at 65. Well, that's sad. That's pathetic. And a lot of times it's because of the, the tremendous amount of debt they've incurred. Let's face it.
1: Yeah. Number four. Give me a number four. Give me a number four. Okay, good.
0: I'm, um, yeah, let's keep rocking here. This is fun. Um, something the dentists do all the time is they try to sell dentistry. They try to sell dentistry. Wow. And you, we take these courses, and I've taken them myself. I'm not proud to say where it's like a weekend workshop and we're going to teach you how to sell dentistry. And by the time you leave here, your patients are going to say yes to all their treatment. My patient coordinator is
1: not selling enough dentistry, right? (laughs) Right, Exactly.
0: Here's the problem. My patient
1: care coordinator could just sell more
0: dentistry. Everything would be great. So you take her or him to this course and then you come out and you become a used car salesman and you're using these high pressure techniques to get your patients to say yes to dentistry. I mean it's it's essentially like they and just think about it. Patients that come into your dental practice as a new patient, typically they're calling your office because you know, they'll say like I chipped a tooth, I'm overdue for a cleaning, I'm having a little discomfort, I noticed my gums are sensitive and bleeding a little bit, whatever. I got new insurance. You know, these are the reasons that patients come into our office. And many times They need a ton of treatment. They need $12,000 worth of treatment or $15,000 worth of treatment. And that's great. And we can help them become healthy again. But These high-pressure treatment acceptance courses pretty much say, okay, you do the exam, you get the patient into your consultation room, and you tie them to the chair, and you browbeat them until they say yes. That's going against human nature. That's not the way it works. And, And we're trying to sell them on this dentistry. And it's not about selling. You know, it's about establishing the relationship. It's about having the patient trust you and, and uh, bond with you and kind of become your friend in a way and say, well, you know what? I trust this office. I know they're telling me the truth. I know it's not because the dentist has five kids in private school. So it's for my health. And I'm going to say yes. But when we pressure our patients to try to sell dentistry, well, Every now and then, somebody says yes, and you feel like you're the greatest patient presentation master in the world. But
1: don't, but don't patients pick that them. up, though? I mean, they pick that up, don't they? they, they, they know, I totally they, agree. They know when they're being sold. I totally agree. You know, the great thing about dentistry, or me, there are many great things
0: about dentistry, but one of the great things about dentistry is that we profit the most when we get our patients in good dental health. You know, it's a true win-win. Other professions, they profit the most when they're doing something that maybe isn't so great for their customer, or maybe isn't so great for their client. But in dentistry, we make the most money when our patients are in the best state of dental health. So that's great. So let's use that to our advantage. We shouldn't have to pressure people into saying yes to treatment. We should educate them about their dental health and get them to understand that, hey, if we do this, you're going to be in better health. So one of the things I always like to say is it's not... Um, it's not when the patient says yes, it's where they say yes to getting their dentistry done. In other words, we shouldn't feel like we have to get them to say yes in the first visit. What we should feel like is that we're going to make them comfortable enough that when they finally do say yes, it's in our office and not somebody else's office because we scared the crap out of them. And it's not about getting them to say yes to everything all at once. You know, Some patients need a year, two years, three years or more to get all their treatment completed for financial reasons, for scheduling reasons, for whatever reason. So we need to welcome that. We need to work with our patients to make things the most comfortable for them. And then they'll get their treatment done eventually, but they'll get it done in your office and not someone else's because we didn't scare them away by selling, selling, selling.
1: That, that's, a, that's a great point. Almost too much selling can, can drive away patients. That, that's, that's that's a great point. I have never even thought about that. That's a great that's point.
0: Yeah. You know it's funny, I took this this fancy schmancy treatment planning course many years ago. <laughs> when, and the guy kept When you were saying, a young kid, right?
1: Um, what's that? When you were a young kid? When I was a young kid, <laughs> right, I was a young buck.
0: <laughs> and they 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 kept saying well, and I'll do it with my bad Texas accent, but this guy had a strong text. He would say, you got to ask somebody 12 times until they say yes. I'm thinking like, well, what do you do? Like, is this a treatment you would like? No, no, no. I can't afford that right now. I'm not ready. You're, well, that's okay. I've got 11 more times. Is this a treatment you would like? No. And like, it doesn't work. It's high pressure. It drives people nuts and they run away screaming. So mm. yeah, we can't sell it. It's all about trust. It's really all about trust.
1: Give me a number five. Give me a number five.
0: Oh, okay. Number five. Um, there's an expression, I think it's an expression in the South, and that is dance with who brung you. <laughs> and dentists tend to Dennis tend to ignore this advice yep. so many times. I'll give you maybe yep. two main categories of what yep. dentists do. Um a dentist will be frustrated or a little bored and burnt out, not really earning the amount of money they'd like. So they get distracted, like, "Oh, I'm going to invest in uh, my cousin's brew pub. that should be fun." or I'm going to sell this oh, yeah. multi-level marketing lotion in my office. And you know, if, only, if I get five patients to do it, and they get five, they each get five, and then they each get five, and then they each get five,, you know, despite the fact that mathematically this is impossible, yeah. I'm going to be a millionaire selling overpriced hand lotion, and I can <laughs> retire from dentistry. And we get distracted. But dentistry is who brung us. I mean, there, there are a few things that we could do. Better for our career than have a great dental practice. And, and we get distracted by these other things. And that's one way of not dancing with who brought you. But my other way, and I see this much more too, is the dentist thinks, well, my practice is doing okay, um, but I could do a lot better if I opened up a satellite practice. I'm, and I can't stand that term. Like, what the heck is a satellite practice? One practice, kind of revolves around the other practice right, and right. it's and if you can grab it on the right day
1: I scale miles I want to scale I want to scale meanwhile meanwhile your main exactly. practice is is, is is in the tank so yeah
0: bingo bingo Stuart. you've got it exactly you know this and then what happens the second you open your satellite practice you've doubled your overhead and you can't be there to do all the production, so you've got to hire an associate. Now you've redu- now you've tripled your overhead because you've got to pay this associate, and the associate's not invested in it. They're just looking, you know, yeah. biding time until they can do something better. And you've got more management headaches, much more overhead, when you could be doing so much better if you just put all your efforts into making your one practice the absolute best it could be. And another example I just thought of too, of not dancing with who, Brian? When we're not doing as well as we would like, we get distracted by by doing these esoteric procedures. You know, I'm going to take this weekend warrior course and learn how to do this procedure. When meanwhile, let's focus on what most patients need. Patients need endo core and crown. They need scaling and root planning. They need implants and implant restoration. Let's focus on not these esoteric crazy treatments, but focus on what patients need, doing it in one office. One office where we're u- utilizing our space and our team to the maximum. That's how you make a profit in dentistry, and that's how you treat your patients
1: well. Yeah. Um, how about one more? Give me, yeah, give, give me, give me one, give me one more. Uh, give me one, give me one more. Because there, there's got to be I, one more. <laughs> I, I wanted to more.
0: do this. Well, I had I had this in mind to do as the last one because it's something we started talking about at the beginning when I was talking about how Overman Law Firm. Is such an incredible place because you specialize in working with dentists and i'll say dumping number six is not using specialized professionals you know you've got to have what yeah. some people call their board of directors every dentist needs um, an accountant an attorney a financial advisor a lease negotiator uh, a web designer a good consultant from baltimore exactly a, a great <laughs> dental coach for your practice from, yeah, I, from baltimore I, I think the matter center is the best <laughs> uh, but yeah you know there are definitely times in our careers where we need to to utilize the services yeah. of a dental coach or consultant so all those things but so many times we make the mistake of not going to somebody who truly specializes in dentistry oh my best friend from college is an accountant she's a genius i've never seen somebody be able to recite the tax codes as as well as her but and she might be but if her practice consists of you know, 10 restaurant owners who are clients and then uh, you know somebody who does this and somebody who does that, well, oh, yeah, but it's all the same. It's all tax returns. It's all p statements, right? No, it's not. Dentistry has so many nuances that you've got to really be a specialist to understand. Oh, you know what? My, my nephew, he's a whiz with computers. He's going to do my website and SEO. He might be a whiz with computers, but unless he knows all the dental terminology and all the things that are specific to dentists, he's not going to do a good job for you. Um, You know, accountants, geez, they need to know everything about dental practices, what your overhead should be, what your team should be earning, what, you know, different PPO plans can offer you all these things. And unless your accountant or your attorney or whatever specializes in dentistry, breathes it, works with it day in and day out, they're not going to be as effective as somebody who truly specializes in working with us. And, Might it be a little bit more expensive to use a financial planner or accountant, et cetera, who specializes in dentistry? Well, it might be, but who cares? Because you're going to be the huge winner in the long run, both financially, um, fewer headaches, all those things that we that we treasure, you know, less time, more time efficient, all those things are going to come into play when you truly use a specialized professional. So I think a great way to do the final dumb thing since I'm talking to a truly specialized professional on your podcast.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing is that, you know, our doctors say, well, you know, I got a little, a little bit of trouble, you know, doing a uh, root canal, uh, you know, I'm like, why didn't you send that out to endo? I mean, half the endos can't even find the b B2 canal. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I mean you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, it's, we, we say this all the time, stay in your wheelhouse. You know, You're all right. of a sudden uh, I paid $6,000, went to implant course. And, and now, you know, on Monday I'm a specialist, um, you know, <laughs> and I, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I can graft anywhere, anything, anytime, any place. Now I'm, I'm good. Um, well, I, I, I tell you what, you know, it's, um uh, these are, and I'm sure you could probably name 70 things that, you know, uh, our guys do and when and the dumb things, but uh, this is amazing. I mean, I hope that when our doctors listen to this, they will one make note of each thing that you said because it is amazing. It is practical. It is everyday usage. You guys teach it every day. You've been in the trenches. You've been there. You've done that. So this is not only from you know a quote you know consultant that has never put a hand in a mouth. You've actually been there and done that. It's, so I think you got a whole different perspective, which a lot of a lot of the uh, you know consultants and business advisors and and so on have no clue about. So, um,
0: yeah, uh, I, I like to think so too, you know, there's kind of a, a fraternity slash sorority of dentists that we, we just have done some, you know, we've been, we've all been bit, we've been kicked. We've tried, we've, you know, we know what it's like to prep the distal of tooth number two when a patient is squirming, salivating and bleeding. <laughs> we have fought with insurance companies. We've led our teams and, you know, there's some consultants out there Most who have never had this experience, how can they relate to it? Like we could just like, you know, just like using a specialized professional for, you know, to have on your board of directors, your attorney, your accountant, your financial planner. It's good to work with people who have been there, done that.
1: Well, I I know you've been there, done that, and your reputation far precedes you, what you guys do on a daily basis. Um, Richard, it is amazing as always. Again, we could talk for seven days on this. Um, I can't thank you enough for, um, one, joining us on, on, on the podcast, and two, for, for what you guys do for the industry. I, I've, se- I've, I've seen it. I've been there. I've done that. I've listened, and you guys do a fantastic job. So, my friend, thank you for joining uh-huh. us, and um, enjoy Baltimore.
0: Thanks so much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And if anybody wants to send me an email, my personal email address is rich, R-I-C-H, at mado m a d o w dot com I love getting emails from dentists all across the world um, If you want to see what we're what we 're doing to help other dentists, just check out our website it 's mado.com dot com m a d o w dot com i'd love to do a chat we don 't charge for you know initial visit so to speak i 'd love to speak with you and talk about what 's going on in your practice. Um, it's fun and we can always help. So now, thanks so much
1: for having me. Wait, wait, with that being said, what, what you, you guys are putting on stuff all the time. What's, what's your next event? What's your next podcast? Which, your, when's your next speaker?
0: Oh, geez. Well, thanks for asking. Um, we do a podcast that comes out two to three times a month. It's called the dental practice fixers. Okay. So if you just go on, um, you know, whatever, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, certain sur- well, YouTube, it's on YouTube as well. Video where they where can find you your music too, dent- right? exactly yeah my music's (laughs) on spotify you can look for richard maddow i got my stuff on there but um look for the dental practice fixers or if you go to our website there's a little drop down for dental podcast you can check it out there um you know speaking gigs are finally coming back after the pandemic so i'll be in a bunch of places i think in the next few months um orlando long island arizona montana i hope i'm not forgetting anything but i'm finally getting out there and doing some speaking gigs again so if i come to your neck of the woods that would be great I also I just got um, contacted by an office in New Jersey, a large um, group practice, and they want me to come in and do an in-service for their team and I'm really excited about doing that so we do wow. that too. Anything you want, we're here to help.
1: I hear you, man. My friend, thank you sir. have a fantastic weekend. happy holidays and we'll be talking to you soon.:
0: It's great to be a guest on your podcast. Thanks so much Stu. Thank you buddy